T to G to I to F to Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. T to G to I to F to Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. Hello everyone, I'm Brother Luke Rowicki. Hey everyone, I'm Brother Andrew Tori. And we are here with the latest episode of T G I F. All right, so Brother Andrew, what did you just do today that might be interesting? Today I left the seminary after (gasps) three points. Okay, I didn't leave. I'm still a seminarian. (laughs) I left the seminary grounds after three months. Three months months staying inside. Quarantine. Yeah. So that was was nice. We went to, uh, I went with a priest. We went to St. Peter's Basilica. And we had, it was actually quite providential because, well, today is obviously the first Friday, right? Today is the first Friday. It's also the feast day of St. Bonifacio. Boniface. Boniface. That's right. The, the English martyr who is the patron saint of Germany and who, who evangelized the pagans and chopped down one of their uh, like druid trees or something, like a pagan tree. It takes a lot of guts to do that. And they martyred him because they, uh, this fanatic martyred him because of, because of that and because of other, other things, right? Anyway, so, but we weren't celebrating St. Boniface. We were celebrating the, well, today, today's the month, it's the month of the Sacred Heart, especially, and it's first Friday. And so we went inside St. Peter's Basilica. It was beautiful because, uh, well, it was kind of sad because there weren't, there weren't people there, right? So, but it was beautiful because also there weren't any people there. <laughs> so it was, it was really quiet and we celebrated Mass at the Altar of the Sacred Heart. There's a there's a, a beautiful mosaic behind the main altar of St. Margaret Mary looking up at Jesus coming down. It's, it's a very beautiful altar. I believe it's opposite the Bernini sculpture of Alexander VII. Indeed, Brother Luke. My goodness. Which is very beautiful. It has this the skeleton holding an hourglass with the mantle. Yes. It's all marble, but it looks as if it's so well yeah. done. It's like a blanket yeah, covering yeah, his yeah, eyes. yeah. yeah. Showing that death comes to all of us, and we yeah. have to be prepared and ready. Our time will come. That's right. And it's not about who you were in this life, That's but right. about your relationship with God. And so it's yeah. you there exposed before God in the last moment. Yeah, it's and beautiful. it's so helpful to think about that because I was thinking today, um, somebody was telling me today about a lot of different problems that he's going through, um, and I was just and I was and I remember feeling kind of I was just, I kind of felt a little bogged down, you know, and I was thinking. You know, there there are a lot of difficulties in life. You know, we have we have a lot of hard stuff going on. Like, I mean, situation in the states with all the riots and everything, or you know, the virus. You know, everybody's personal situation. You know, we have, there's a lot of hard stuff, but we we need to keep look. There's a beautiful song that we sang in in, in France when I was there for a year. Uh, it's called "Look at the Star," "Regarde l'Étoile." That sounds. Even better in French. And, and it was beautiful because it was always like, you know, if you ever feel tempted, if you're really struggling, if you're really suffering, just look at the star. Look at the star. Look at where you're going. Don't keep your eyes at your feet. Look at the star. Okay, I have to say this. I just found out, I uh, heard a song this week because it was song by Linkin Park. Oh, okay. So a little different style. Is it's there a relation? Not a, link, it's not is a chapel. Like, is that like LinkedIn kind of? Is there a relation there? Please tell me you've heard of Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Okay, so uh, they have a song called One More Light. It came out bre- um, right before, or soon before, uh, Chester, the lead singer of Lincoln Park, committed suicide, unfortunately. Oh, no. Uh, but it's a very beautiful song. He struggled for his whole life. Sure. He had a really tough childhood and everything. And he had help. He had a wife. He had kids. Uh, but the song, it's called One More Light. That's what made me think of it. Mm. But it's so beautiful because he says, if they say, who cares of one more light? 
fades out in a sky of a million stars? I do. Mm. And so he's saying from his perspective, I think, but I take it and we can all take it as God. Like maybe one more person in the world passed away. And sometimes for us, mm-hmm. it's it's hard for us to be empathetic because it's just one more person, right. like seven billion people in the, in the world. Right. But for God, each of us, yeah. I mean, he loves us so much. Yes. So I, th- I think I think it's just a beautiful message that no one should feel alone in this world. Right, exactly. And we have to we have to keep walking forward because because like you said with the with the Bernini statue, you know, holding up the hourglass representing you know our limited time on Earth, um, we have to remember that we're on a journey, and the things that we suffer are eventually going to pass. Yes. And we always have to remember that because otherwise we're going to get bogged down, and it's going to and we're going to our faith is going to grow weak, and we're going to you know we could fall into depression. So it's very important to remember that. It's very important to, to, to have a community as well, to walk together. Yeah. So and we hope that this podcast can be for anyone that listens to it. Right. A, a light on their path on this journey, which is arduous. It's not always easy. Yeah. No, and it's not. Yeah. We're always available on our Facebook page and yeah. Instagrams and yeah. everything else that if you ever need to reach out, feel free. But I think we should get to our get to meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. What's That's another right. way to say that? Get to the the crux of the matter. Get to the yolk of the egg. Get to the inside of the refrigerator. Wow, okay. You must be hungry. (laughs) So we decided today's episode is going to be three surprise questions for the other co-host of the podcast. So I have three questions prepared for Andrew. I have have three questions prepared for Luke. And he doesn't know my questions. And he doesn't know my questions. Okay, so who gets to go first? Rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Rock, Rock, paper, paper, scissors, shoot. Both scissors. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Both paper. Oh my goodness. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh! I, okay, had I, I had scissors, Brother Luke, what did you have? I had a rock. Okay, so that means so as our viewers you get to know, decide or you get to go first? Um, we didn't specify that before. I'll go first. I'll okay. ask you first. Okay, you'll ask me first. So we're going to start with, the first question is going to be personal. The second question is going to be culturally or just related to what's happening today. And the third question is related to the faith. Yes. All right, so first question, a personal question. Brother Andrew, what is your biggest dream as you imagine yourself a priest in the very near future? What is your biggest dream? Like what... I don't know, what do you want to do as a priest or what what would be your biggest goal as a priest? Or what's one thing you want to accomplish as a priest? Floor is yours. So I have not been feeded this question beforehand. So it's a, it comes right off the, the hot burner. I, I want to be holy. I want, and I don't, and I don't say that in a, in, a, in a sense of like, you know, me conquering a goal or like me doing a certain set of acts by which I accomplish this amazing goal of holiness. Congratulations, Brother Andrew. I, I, re, I really want to, and, and, I, and I want to want this. I don't know if that makes sense. I want to want it because sometimes I, I, I don't, but I, I really want to, to grow closer to Christ. I really want to have a deep prayer life. Um, every night before I go to bed, uh, when I visit, we always, uh, as legionaries, we have a tradition of going to Mary and lately, I've been invoking her as mother of my prayer life, hmm. um, or mother of the interior life. I usually say mother, of, mother of my prayer life, or mother of my interior life. And I, I entrust to her my prayer life because I really want that to, to grow. And I because I've seen how that that is the furnace that gets people going, and that gets people setting fires around the world. It's the it's the deep spiritual life, the the the, the deep relationship uh, with Christ that will. That, that needs to be there for us to do anything. Um, and that's how you do accomplish the biggest things. Like the yeah. most effective, quote unquote, priests are not the ones that are 24-7 on the road, 
yeah. typing things and sending emails and yeah. it's the ones that are connected with God because then mm-hmm. everything they do has that power of the Holy Spirit right. thrusting it forward and yeah. making it have fruit and yeah 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 exactly yeah exactly it, it's that that's what's that's the energy behind the machine um, and and naturally we'll have to do you know so that would be my big goal. Um, and I really want to be focused on that because I know that I my life will change. I don't know what I'm going to be assigned to. It doesn't always depend on me. If I if I have if I start up start off saying I would love to do this specific thing, then I risk becoming, you know, attached to it or frustrated if it doesn't happen, and and I don't want to fall into that situation. To be a negative Nelly or a, a negative Nelly, right? Who wants to be negative Nelly or a like, grumpy or, or a grumpy. Uh, uh, Yogamesh. Gargantuan Glompeter. <laughs> no? Actually, just, uh, we two nights ago, right, we had the Destinos dinner. Ah. So Destinos is the missions that everyone gets assigned. Right. So when you finish uh, third year theology, or you finish third year philosophy, actually, because mm-hmm. the brothers in philosophy also got their assignments recently, um, you get told about a month before, but you're not able to reveal it until it's right. 100% confirmed and yeah. official. Rubber stamped. Rubber stamped. <laughs> The brothers in theology, we finally got to hear where everyone's going. Right. Some are going to the States, to Canada, to the Philippines, to Venezuela, to Mexico, Exciting. to yeah. Colombia, to Argentina. But exactly, we, we don't decide. Like sometimes people ask, oh, so when you finish theology, do you get to decide where you want to go? Yeah. Are you going to go back to... Or, or I like the question, where are you, what are you thinking of doing? Like, or where are you exactly, thinking of we going? Have no idea. Or where would you like to live? <laughs> As if it like were our decision. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, and, and maybe it's, like, it's kind of crazy to think. But I sometimes compare it to the military. Like when you sign up for something, you're yeah. giving your life. We're giving our lives to the church through the Legion. Yeah. Um, and saying, look, wherever you guys have a need, wherever there's a battle raging. Yeah. And you need one more soldier, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's what send me and I'll. Yeah. Here yeah, I am. Send through me. God's grace. But we have to be available. Exactly. So if right. we pray, we're just, we're really focused just on my preferences. Yeah then it's going to be a frustrating life because right. they get to send us wherever they want. Exactly. And we just don't, life is full of variables. But what doesn't change is the fire that we have going inside of us. Yeah. And if we don't keep that fire going, then we're just going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get blown out. Yeah. And so it's really important. So, but um, I, I don't want to avoid your question with a, you know, a pious answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's here. What is but your... I mean, it's really, it's really, I mean, that really is for me. That's number one. That's number one. And, and I want it to be number one because some, sometimes I feel like, like I'm not wanting it enough, you know, and but I really want it to be. My idea would be, I, I really like to study, um, but I also really like being with people. So for me, it's kind of a struggle now because um, for one thing, I, it would be great to, to, to communicate. I like communicating. So I think I would be good at giving classes maybe about, um, I don't know, different things, maybe something about philosophy or the humanities. Brother Andrew just finished his thesis. Oh, yeah, I just finished my St. thesis. St. Thomas Aquinas. Yes, that's uh, right. Happiness. So my action, my, my, my thesis was called, How Do We Know If An Action Is Good or Bad? How do we know if an action is good or bad? Um, and the, the, the simple answer is we know if an action is good or bad based on how it's ordered, ordered to an end or a purpose in our human nature. And so in our human nature, there are many purposes. Um, you know, we all tend to our own survival we all tend to to live together in a community. To we tend towards knowledge, to know things. We tend towards um, you know our own preservation, the eating, um, the ne- the necess- necessities of life, to education, offspring, um, you know relationships. So anything that that 
contributes to those goods is a good action, or at least that isn't opposed to those things is a good action. If something contradicts one of those goods, then it's a bad action. So that was basically my my thesis. So I would so I would enjoy I would enjoy communicating to others. I would enjoy studying to understand better myself and then communicate that. Mm. Um, but I don't want that to be in detriment of being in contact with souls and and you know seeing people's real difficulties and you know I don't want I wouldn't want to be that far removed from exactly and yeah. I don't feel like I'm called to a, like an investigative academic career mm -hmm. I don't I think that's I think that's kind of frustrating for me yeah for a priest I mean a, you become a priest to, for the especially for the sacraments to offer the sacraments Exa and, be a and that's what I, of yeah exactly. God's mercy so yeah. Yeah, definitely to combine the two. Yeah, somehow. So you stole my question. Really? I was gonna ask you. I was my my question. This was not planned, by the okay, way. Okay. So my question was gonna be like, brother Luke, what would be your ideal uh, assignment as a priest? That, that was that was be my question. Well, and, I guess we've already set it up. Okay. And and I was gonna say like, what would your? I guess maybe I could be even more specific. What would like a, a schedule, like a daily schedule, kind of be that you would love to have in your community? Ah, interesting. Having already spent time. Uh, in DC for three years, and that was that was a pretty pretty busy time. What would what would like a, a schedule be for you, or even you know even allowing moments of you know like you know you don't know don't know what's going to happen, but yeah. So I I've thought about this I guess a little bit more recently because of what we just said with the brothers getting their assignments recently. You get a letter, you open it up, you see what it yeah where you're going. Uh, so I'm thinking, where would I want to go, and. The, so that's what this everything we've just said before that we need to be open and right. but if I right. had to choose or if I said to say okay with the talents that I feel like God has given me the passions that He's given me definitely want to work with youth. Good. Uh, I think I would even like to work in like some type of school atmosphere mm -hmm. where I can have, um, yeah, just be available if they if young men or women like to, want to talk, possibly give classes but on a lower level than well, philosophy uh -huh. and at a yeah but um. And then also maybe a surprise for our listeners, but just being in Italy now for five years, I really, really love the culture here. Wow. And so I'm also very open to being a missionary outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. So if they send me back to the States, I'd be very happy. But also there's so much to learn from living outside of your country, speaking another language. Sure. Uh, so I think working with youth, wherever it is in the world, um, I guess... I always think back to when I was growing up, what are the things that I would have liked to have drilled into me about the faith? Like to really be convinced that God loves me, to really be convinced that the faith is a, is a pathway to true happiness and fulfillment. Yeah. Um, to realize that it's not just as a bunch of rules. To also show compassion sometimes. I think for youth, they can just see mm -hmm. the church is saying, no, 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 no. And right. I think to be a voice and a face of compassion to show that... Um, the bottom line is that God loves you. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that pumps me up. The sacrament of confession, spiritual direction, like helping yeah. people get closer to Christ. Like I've been helped the last 11 years so much by my spiritual directors. Yeah. Uh, and then for like a daily schedule. Yeah. Like what would you like? I, I really like like you, but Andrew, contact with people. Yeah. So uh -huh. I think the more I can be, um, I don't know, helping people. And even I really like working in teams, so like strategizing with other people to say, okay, uh -huh. we're putting this event on, we're doing missions. Yeah, yeah, you're really good. Brother Luke um, in DC, we, we we lived there for a year, right? And he always had, he was really good at lists, <laughs> like writing down lists and 
It might seem just, easy, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and I was so I, sometimes I was just so like out of it, disorganized. And it helps because I'm really bad at that. I'm very scatterbrained, so if I don't write it down, it's all, it's gone. But just recently, we organized, for example, a concert at Pentecost. Ah, yes. And I really enjoyed trying to with other brothers because it's hard for me to do it myself. But when I hear other people's ideas, and I like to take that idea and jump and go with it, run with it. Mm-hmm. And so we put together this concert. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, Pentecost International International concert. Yeah. And so we had uh, just a couple songs at the beginning and transitioned to adoration, but it was all with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so just thinking, okay, what might help people today is going to it's going to be Pentecost, and people are still for the most part stuck in their homes. So mm-hmm. how can we bring them hope? How can we yeah. give them a message? Right. Um, that. Some music. So maybe you would like to do something with music. Yeah, I actually didn't no? even mention music, but I I mean, my first thing I feel like as a priest is going to be making myself available. I yeah. definitely have a passion. I love music. Yeah, I think and God has given me that. You're really good reason. at it. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And I've picked up guitar in the last year and a half. And I think uh, also, I just, I've just realized that music is a huge means. It's a, a very effective means to reach people because okay. when you hear a song, and it's a well sung or it's well played. Yeah, people just flock towards it's it. It's beauty. It's beauty. No matter what, like there's so many different types of right. beautiful music. Right. I even like rap music, but people, some people prefer classical, some yeah. country, yeah. some pop, some rock, whatever. Yeah. Um, I really like rock music and things too, but I love praise and worship, and yeah, I think you definitely, ha- yeah, incorporating things for reminding me too, incorporating music into mm-hmm. what I said before. Mm-hmm. Working with youth, I think music's a great way. Yeah, to connect with them. So, so do you like to get up early? Or do you like to, are you an early bird or are you night owl? I like sleeping in to like, right now we're sleeping into 545. Oh yeah, that's so. right. We got, the, we got the 15 extra minutes. <laughs> so people think it's ridiculous and I do too. But uh, yeah, we get up really early. But sometimes that's the only way you can really yeah. seize the day. Like we always put prayer first, which yeah. has been a huge uh, grace for us. Absolutely. We formed that habit from the very beginning. Yeah. Our first years in, in as legionaries, they wake up, the first thing you do is you pray for an hour and then you have mass and then you... Start everything. Yeah. You have to go to classes. I would, I would never change it. I'm just so. I'm often really tired, but and you to yeah. find another time so peaceful and quiet in the right. morning, really, like outside of yeah. that first hour you wake up, would be tough. Yeah. And so I think, as as much as sometimes it's hard to wrench yourself out of bed right. when you're tired, it's worth it. Right. So if you do not have a prayer life yet, you should find a moment in your day, either at the beginning or at the end, some moment where you're calm. And invest those 10 to 15 minutes, maybe even a half hour once a week. Start with three minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. You, these people are capable. <laughs> come on. But either way, whatever you do, be constant and find that moment. Because I can't, and Brother Luke as well, we can't impress upon you enough that having a prayer life is just, it's just transformational. Yeah, it's, it's like opening a window or opening blinds, just a crack, and the yeah. light floods the room. It's yes. the same thing. You take three minutes uh, in the morning or in the evening or both. Just to let God's light flood in your life, and maybe he'll, you'll see something you didn't see before. You'll find strength to forgive someone that you were having a hard time dealing with. Yeah. Whatever it is, but yeah. It only God waits for us. He's there, like He says in Revelation, knocking at the door. He's not going to use like a battering ram to smash in the door. Yeah. Sometimes He does. Only but, on special occasions. <laughs> but most of the time, He's there knocking, and so just every morning, open up the door and yeah. see what He has to say. Exactly. So what's your next question for me? Next okay, one's so about... Next one's about culture, culture. and okay. world today. Okay, okay good. Ooh, so I'm leaving it very open for you. All okay. right. Yeah. If you could meet any current world leader, Ooh. who would it be? And secondly, part B of the same question. What? It's a two-part question. <laughs> two-part question. Who, uh, what would you ask or what would you say to that world leader? If I could meet any world leader... 
Ooh, I don't know if I should answer. <laughs> you have to. If I could meet any world leader, and if I could ask that world leader any question, or give him a give him a piece of advice, or a world leader, it would be great to meet the Pope. I've never met him before. Okay. Um, that's kind of a silly. That's kind of a, an easy answer, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, it would be great to meet the Pope. Um, I would just like to tell him I'm praying for him because he's always asking for prayers. He's meeting people all the time, so I don't want to, you know, he's I mean, he's 83 years old, so I'd probably just say thank you and I'm praying for you. Um, maybe somebody more controversial. Uh, it'd be cool to meet. I'm gonna say it, Donald Trump. <laughs> I know he's he's a very controversial figure. Some people love him, some people hate him. Well, explain why. Like, why would you like to meet him, and why? And meeting a, a pre, the president of the United States would just be a cool experience. Yeah, um, I think anyone and, would agree and, with that. And and so it would be really cool to meet him. Um, I there are there are things that I like about him. There are, there are a lot of things that I admire about Obama, his predecessor, um, George Bush as well. There are things I don't like about obviously all of them, but just meeting uh, the president of the United States would be would be really cool. Um, and if I could give him a piece of advice. Um, I would encourage him to to try to unite the country. That's what I would. I, that's what I would say to him. So do, do your best to, to unite the country. I would. I mean, I would try to. I would think well about how I would yeah, say that. Of course. Um, but that's it. But I'm just. I'm brother Andrew. You know, 29 years old, and <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really have a, a weight behind me. You know, to. But that's what. That's what I would. That's what I would say. Um, so now it's my turn. All right. So it's also political. Um, what advice would you give to somebody, to an American who's going to vote in November? Oh man, but Andrew. Oh well, yeah. Go my weak point. <laughs> so even though I spent three three years right outside of the Capitol building, just twenty minutes away. That's right. Um, I'm very bad at keeping up with everything in politics. I. As a, I so, think, so you're as a priest, right? You're yeah. going to be eventually, you know, preaching, and every four years, if you're in the states, this is going to be something coming up, and you're going to have people in front of you, and some people might ask you. So, like, as a priest, like you obviously, obviously, you can't say you should all vote for candidate A, mm -hmm. right? You can't. We can't say that as as uh, as ministers, but there's some must be some things that we can say, you know? Yeah, I think um, the best explanation I've heard, and I think it's sort of common sense is that we should preach the gospel values and as Catholics we should support anyone that supports those same values not because there are values but because they're the true values mm -hmm. and so someone that supports life protects life someone that supports freedom but in the true sense of the word mm -hmm. uh, freedom of conscience freedom of religion um, all the different styles and types of freedom uh, I think I mean politicians it's, it's tough with, with politicians because you're not always going to find, and many times you don't, someone that agrees with everything that you believe is good and true, and then the other candidate is like the exact opposite. That doesn't happen. Right. You see in different candidates that this one um, has a lot going for him in this uh, aspect, another one in this other aspect. So I would say, as Brother Andrew just said, I'm not going to say vote for this person or vote for that person. Right. Um, I'm not going to say vote Republican, vote Democrat. I'm not going to say... but. Uh, the values that we have that Christ preached himself, that the church is is constantly teaching as mm -hmm. um, yeah, as the 
as she protects the churches, given the job of preserving and teaching and guiding the faithful and all those truths that God has given us through his divine right. revelation. Uh, and those teachings are very solid. And so those should guide us. And so if we have questions like, should I vote for this person? Should I vote for that person? Mm -hmm. um, look for those values. Um, like I like I mentioned before, um, those basic values and say, okay, well, who who do I think will defend those values and promote those values best? Right. And and even try to separate yourself from like the polarization between Democrats and Republicans. Right. Because that's not healthy. And, like, we have to look at, I think we also have to look at... Um, it's very important to look at what the per, what the ideas that the candidate wants to promote, right? Um, unfortunately, today that the political discourse is so there's so many personal attacks, um, and unfortunately we don't have a lot of good options between. It seems it seems sometimes that we don't have a lot of good options of of people who are just speak so well and are just you know everybody's happy and whatever, but you have to look what are the ideas that this person wants to promote. And on top of that, um, I've heard this from someone, I'm not going to say who, but I would agree that it's not politicians that change the world. Like they do make policies and obviously you get a lot of airtime if you're president of the United States. But in the end, who really changes the world are the people that are on the bottom, changing culture, changing their family, changing their neighborhood, changing their communities. So like we might get really passionate about the election and like get really yeah. angry when our candidate doesn't win or like right. when our candidate says something stupid. Right. But in the end, trust that. Um, who really changes the world is going to be God by his grace. But you can do so much no matter yes. whoever we are. Exactly. Just by changing the people around us. That's and, right. Uh, not to get myself out of your question, but... No, but you're right. <laughs> That's like changing the world. To remember. Yeah, changing yeah. the world is is uh, bringing love to the people with whom we live and bringing, bringing them peace and listening to them and working hard. And, and a lot of politics is like you promote something and it gets shot down and then you have to wait a couple more months. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a yeah. very important role, obviously, but it's not everything. Right. So. Yeah. So, okay, and now third question. So oh third and final question we're going to give to each other. Um, mine from the Andrew related to faith now is, it's also a very personal question, I think. Okay. But related to faith. So what is the hardest thing for you to swallow about either faith, your vocation, or um, the vocation of priesthood in general, mm. or just like something that you've really struggled with during your life, and then mm -hmm. how have you dealt with it? How have you struggled with it? What has helped you get through it? Mm, this is um, really good. Um, one of the hard things about priestly vocation, about religious life, specifically the religious life, is for me is being separated from my family. That, I think, is the hardest. I mean, I've gone through different periods. Like, I had a period where I was like, man, I... It's really going to be hard to be celibate, like to not, to not have, to not have a wife, to not, not I mean, yeah. one of the best things in life is to, is, is a sexual relationship. Sex is beautiful and God created it. Um, and to renounce that is a, is a big, can be a big sacrifice. Um, so I feel that at different times, right? Um, but I, I say probably even more constant has been um, being separated from my family because mm. I, I've, because we don't, in religious life, we don't live, we live in our religious community. It's not like in a, you know, a, a priest who lives in a parish, you know, he can, he's very busy, obviously, and, you know, hopefully he gets time each year to take a vacation, and he can just go and see, or even if he lives in the same diocese as his family, right, he can see them more often. Um, but in our case, we don't know where we're going to live. You know, when we professed, we, we wrote a blank, a blank check, and so we don't know what that entails. We don't know where we're going to be. Um, so how have I dealt with that? Well, um, 
sometimes it's just hard and it's like, you know, Lord, I offer the sacrifice. Um, I offer it to you. It's, it's, um, it's a way for me to unite myself in a small way to your cross. Um, I think that, I think it's, you know, things are hard, but it's, it's not bad if things are hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, because Jesus said in our Lord, he said in, in, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage, I have conquered the world. It's one of my favorite quotes. I can mm. just imagine him like, you know, <laughs> before his disciples, like looking at them in their eyes and like, you know, in the world it's going to be really tough. But then I can imagine him like standing up and, you know, like having the staff in his hand and light coming out of it. But oh, I have conquered the like world. Like Gandalf you know? style. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I think it's good that we experience as, as you know, religious, as priests, it's good that we taste, you know, the bitterness of, of the chalice, you know, um, because then that gives value to what we're doing. You know, we're like a, like a father who has to get up really early to go, you know, win bread for his family. Um, we have to earn out some things too. And I was just thinking too, the, what it helps me, because it's also very hard for me to be away from my family now that my nieces and nephews are all growing up. Yeah. Like last time I saw them, a lot of them couldn't even speak. And now they're having yeah. like philosophical conversations and writing <laughs> Broadway musicals. And oh my gosh. So uh, I think one of the things for me is seeing how my vocation has been a blessing. And I'm sure you've seen this too for your whole family. Sure. To see it. You know what? God has called us to make this sacrifice. But how much more he gives us back in return. And like yeah. my relationship I have with my siblings now and the deep conversations I have with my parents a lot of times. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it wouldn't be possible. Like maybe I would live right next door to them, but it wouldn't be the same. But yeah. now that I'm in Rome and I'm studying all these, um, yeah. just the beauty of the priestly vocation and religious life uh, ends up being a huge blessing for the family too. Yeah, it, you're so right. And and you know I've had people. We've have had. I mean, being in this life it gives you opens up doors that are not possible to if you're not you know in this if, if this isn't your vocation. Um, and so it's it's just been beautiful because it's like you're an instrument. For a moment of grace, that God uses human people, He needs He needs He needs us to to get to other people, um, and so there's there's for me, like if you just take it mathematically, you know we live for maybe 80, 90 years max, but then afterwards you have all of eternity, which um, I don't know. I guess maybe ninety years in comparison to all of eternity, like I don't know if that matches up, you know. <laughs> so, so but the thing is, like we said earlier, we have to keep we have to look at the star. You have to keep look, walking forward. Um, you know, yeah, there are moments of suffering, but we also we also have to take care of ourselves. We have to, you know, um, but you know, we have to take up our cross too. And but we have to realize that we're not alone taking up our cross. So when I, so for me, dealing with my family being separated from them, um, you know, I I just I try to unite that to Jesus. You know, he he also. But then I, but then I kind of like get mad at Jesus because you know he was with his family for thirty years. I mean, come on, and then he only had three years of ministry. So, but anyways, <laughs> I assume he picked the right decision. We can all have to. I can talk to him about that when you know in the next life. But um, that'd be a good topic for next podcast. Could be yeah. Why thirty years in Nazareth when he yeah like if he could have just been born. I mean, he was the son of God from the very beginning, so he could have just right. started preaching. He could have been really much yeah. more efficient. Maybe if he would have had absolutely thirty more years of public ministry. Yeah, he but de- he definitely didn't take any cues from Americans. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, but I wanted to ask you so a question about faith. Um, you know, you've been a legionary for eleven years, correct? And you started studying theology in your tenth year, yes. right? So yeah. you've been studying theology for nearly two years now. Um, 
what has has anything about theology, like the the highest science, you know, studying God, has anything about it surprised you? Has there been a, a subject that has opened up a, an interest in you that you want to go deeper in as a priest? Is there something maybe that you learned that you didn't know? Because we learn a lot of stuff in our in our you know in the ten years before theology, we learned a lot of stuff. Hmm. So I don't know any one of those questions. Anything new? Anything that you really you like? Or you or or maybe next year anything in your third year, something that you're really looking forward to studying? I don't know. Ah, good question. Uh, so what's interesting, and sometimes I complain about, which I probably shouldn't complain so much about, is that a lot of the things we're learning, I learned when I was in catechism growing up. Uh-huh. And so that at first is like, ah, like yeah. why, why, why do we have to this again? Like memorize all these things and go over the same, the history of the church and St. Nicholas and what he said about this and St. Thomas what he said about that. It can seem really repetitive, but... In doing that, I've learned so many new things, but it's all details. Like, yeah. really, when you pray the creed on Sunday, you basically are saying exa- everything. Like, there's not much more that I could teach you after my three years of theology than what you already know, mm-hmm. praying the creed at Mass on Sunday. That what we believe in, that's theology. Like what God has revealed to us and um, the truths that he has revealed to us. But when you study that, it means... It makes a difference, like a bigger difference in your life. So maybe that's what I would say is I'm taking away from theology, at least so far. And most recently has just been the Apostle St. Paul. Really? Because uh, before I always read the letters and without knowing the context, it didn't have as much uh, force and it didn't impact me as much. But realizing that the guy spent his whole life on a boat or walking yeah. around and the distances he crossed are massive. Yeah. And he had this just heart of gold. And like sometimes he would go, he would cry. Sometimes he would shout. Sometimes yeah. um, he, he was like a human person. Yeah. And he yeah. failed a ton. Yeah. Like humanly speaking, he failed a ton. He was shipwrecked and all these things. He goes through like all the times he was kicked out of yeah. places and stoned. And yeah, um, it's an amazing, yeah, it's an amazing passage from. And then he repeats yeah. the same thing almost over and over again. You're like, well, St. Paul, you already said that. But when you think about it, he's, re- he's writing to a bunch of different people yeah. in different moments, dealing with real issues. Like people write to him and say, St. Paul, right now there's division in our community. What can you tell us? And he goes back to the the nuts and bolts every single time saying Christ mm-hmm. died and rose for us. Mm-hmm. And we need to be, um, we're part, all part of the mystical body of Christ and all the, the St. Paul teachings that we know. Um, but then he throws in just like these gems and he has, but he yeah. has so many of them. It's yeah. like, where do they uh-huh. come from? It has to be the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah. And so for me, part, part of, I guess, the light that I've been receiving from that class is that St. Paul is very, Seeing the human side of St. Paul helps so mm-hmm. much to admire him as a man. Yeah. But then you, you couldn't do what St. Paul did unless it was the Holy Spirit and God yeah. pushing him and guiding him. Yeah. And so to answer your, the last part of your question, well, next year, like what I want to look into or what I'm excited about, I'm actually excited about doing my so a laboratum or just like my uh, sort of thesis at the end of theology good. on St. Paul. Okay. And the, the famous question of faith without works and... Oh, okay. Um, justification. Yeah, because okay. what does it mean when St. Paul, because he does say in a line in Romans, I believe, that um, conf- those who confess Jesus will be saved. Right. And like, so nothing else matters. Yeah. But in all the rest of the letters, he right. talks about the importance of your behavior and your works and all these things. So how, uh-huh. do, how do you uh, reconcile those things? Right. Because there's very convincing arguments. Um, and obviously, I think from, yeah, for, for me, I would just like to bridge the gap between us Catholics and, and the other Christian dom- denominations. Yeah. Bridge that gap because sometimes that's a big argument. Right. Where they say, well, the Catholic Church is just like all these formalities and these actions. Right. And, right. and what about the personal relationship with Christ? And yeah. it's both. You need both. Yeah. You need the relationship with Christ. Yeah. And you need the actions. And that's why the church 
that's something we can we can learn from them as well. Yes, the exactly. Like like they're totally right. We need a personal relationship with Jesus, and Jesus saves us. You know? Exactly, and it is a hundred percent Jesus. Yeah, but He won't save us without us. And so that whole that dynamic is very interesting for me. So I'm gonna okay stay tuned because hopefully yeah. be more of an expert on that. That's that's soon. really exciting. I really want to go into um, a similar topic in theology. I really want to study the person of Martin Luther. I, re- I really want to understand the Reformation, why he why he proposed the ideas that he proposed, the situation of the church at that time, um, and sort of like the how Protestantism started. Why do we have all these different groups? What is you know, like, where's the where where did the arguments go? Like, what are the arguments? And so, I, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and then that whole that argument is really like what has helped me there is seeing exactly what you said the context of the Catholic Church at the time of Luther, mm-hmm. and seeing that it was not good. Yeah, like, and what was happening in Rome, the richness and the pomp lifestyle. Yeah, and someone that really wanted to be holy and saw that even the head of the Catholic Church at the time and like the ones closest to him, yeah, um, were from these rich, powerful families. Yeah, it. I said, okay, well, maybe like enough of this. And when, with the indulgences being sold and things, right, yeah. that like at one point he said, yeah, enough. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to the heart of the gospel. And he felt like that had been corrupted. And maybe visibly he saw it had been corrupted. But we sure. we have to remember that the church is partly human, but also yeah. fundamentally divine. Okay. And Christ is the rock of mm-hmm. the church. Uh, and he works through human instruments. Yeah, but it's not merely human institution because if it was merely a human institution, yeah, we'd be gone on day one. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't have lasted two thousand years. So we yeah. have to remember that. Yeah. And when you lose sight of that, of course, you're gonna have a lot of questions and complaints, and yeah. start yeah, even our own order, like our our founder, yeah. our, our scandalous founder. Yeah, and if, <laughs> if it wasn't for the Pope, yeah, um, working obviously Christ through him, saying like this is a work of God, yeah. and so you have to pure, you have to be purified, yeah. purify that gift but it is a work of God, then yeah, we wouldn't be here today as legionaries. Yeah. And so many other problems that the church has had and because men are frail. Yeah. Um, but it that can't cause us fear. And right now people think, oh, the church is going to you know, be destroyed from within. That's what I've heard recently from someone saying, mm-hmm. like, what do you think about that theory that people mm-hmm. are inside the Korea are trying to destroy the church? Mm-hmm. Okay, that maybe might be true. Maybe so. <laughs> but yeah. it can't be destroyed because it's, it's God is the author. Right. God is the foundation. Yeah. Uh, he's more powerful. If, if it's been going 2,000 years through yeah. a lot harder times than it is Yeah, now. I mean, one time there were three different popes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think we'll get to this point too. Yeah. So. Well, that was, that, I really enjoyed that conversation. That, that was, was fun. That was, that was a lot of fun. I really, we'll have to do these questions, the Q&As, anonymous Q&As. Of, yeah. And uh, so another invitation before we sign out is send us any questions you might have through Facebook. Please, yeah. Which TGIFF, thank God it's first Friday on Facebook. Right. Or Brother Luke Rowicki on Instagram. Yeah, or me as well on Instagram, Brother Andrew Torrey on Instagram. So, um, or Facebook. And then, yeah, next episode in July, we'll have finished our exams. We'll be enjoying That's right. uh, the view of Capri exactly. in Southern Italy where we have a, a, like a summer seminary house we go to yeah. with all the brothers. And uh, So we'll have to probably pre-record an episode because we don't have a good internet connection in, <laughs> in uh, Termini. Yeah, we'll see what we have to do there. But, um, but yeah, so count on our prayers. And remember, don't just do doom quake. God bless you. God bless.